Our reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Every, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Bless God in the reading of his word. So today is Refine Sunday. It means it's a day for us to be able to look back, to reflect on this, pre- this current year we're in, and to associate uh, the, the objectives we had at the outside of the year with, with, the, uh, with the things we've accomplished at the end of the year. And Ben did a great job of going over that, and, and I don't know about you, but how powerful was it to look at those individuals, those souls who have come to Christ just this year because of the efforts of one individual in this congregation. How blessed are we to have 23 new souls added to the kingdom through the course of 2023. Uh, Praise God for that. But now we have an opportunity to look ahead, to look forward, to cast a vision for the coming year. We used to wait until January to announce a theme and a vision for the upcoming year but we want you guys to buy in with us. We, we want the congregation collectively to anticipate what we're going to try to accomplish in the coming year before we even get to that date. You see, this morning in, in our time of study today, we're going to share with you our theme for 2024. Now, the question I had when I came here, because I had never in my previous years of ministry had a theme to work around for a congregation. And I sat down with multiple people when I first got here and said, why do we have a theme? To be honest, nobody had clearly answered, so I came up with my own. And the way I look at it, a theme is like a compass. What is the purpose of a compass? A compass gives you direction. A compass helps you know where you need to be going. And if you get off the path, if your course needs correction, that compass offers that for you. I think a theme is like a compass. It helps us see where we need to be going. It helps us change course when we get off course. Now, we have God's Word as our map, as our guide, as our direction. Don't get me wrong. This congregation is never getting off course in that regard. We are blessed with good, godly men serving as shepherds who will ensure that the truth is always taught in this congregation. That's not the issue. The issue for us is not about doctrine It's about whether or not we're fulfilling God's requirements for his kingdom outposts to the best of our ability. And how can we accomplish that better and better every year? And so every year we take time to reassess 
to look at ourselves as a congregation and see where improvements need to be made and where our focus needs to go. And that's what we're going to try to do this morning as we cast a theme for 2024. Now, Ben went through some of those themes we've had in recent years, like go and do and more and vision and this past year, one. As we enter 2024, the leadership of this congregation has decided that our theme will be home. The simple word, home. But you know what's so beautiful about this word? is that when you journey throughout the New Testament and you look at the metaphors that this word is employed in, or the imagery that surrounds this word, or the times when the language of home is employed, you'll see that it's not always what you expect. See, there are three primary ways that the Bible uses the word home. The first way the Bible tends to use the word home is in reference to the family. You can go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, where Israelite parents are instructed to teach God's word in their house and even to write God's word on the entrances to their house, the doorposts and the gates. And the implication of these instructions is that the family, metaphorically represented by the home, is the place where faith is to be taught and faith is to be developed. Last week, we mentioned Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, where Joshua presented the Israelites with a choice. They they could choose to obey the Lord God, or they could obey the other little g gods around them. But Joshua declared in chapter 24 and verse 15, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What he was saying is that he and everyone in his family were choosing the one true God. And that home metaphor extends into the New Testament as well. In fact, you see this unique importance attached to the home. Because one of the qualifications to be an appointed leader in the church, whether that be an elder or a deacon, is to manage your own household well, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in that same letter, 1 Timothy chapter 5, and if you go to verse 8, Paul equated the failure to care for one's family to a failure to believe By saying, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, here's the point. The Bible routinely uses the language of home in the context of the family unit. The home is more than just the physical structure in which we reside. It is the family that the structure represents. And in 2024, that's one aspect of the word home we want to emphasize. We want to emphasize families, whether that family has eight members or that family just has one. We want all families to be encouraged and uplifted and and promoted in the Buford Church of Christ. Because the home matters to God. But that's not the only way the word home gets used in the Bible. It also gets used in reference to the church. The church is called the household of God three times, and the household of faith once throughout the epistles. And believers are also referred to as 
living stones that are being built up as a spiritual house in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And if you go over to the book of Hebrews, the church is referred to simply as God's house. And all of these verses imply that the church is a family under the headship of Christ. That's a theme throughout the New Testament. And this metaphorical association of the church with home is bolstered by the use of familial language in the New Testament. The relationship between God and believers is described in terms of a parent-child relationship in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, where John said, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And the relationship between believers is described in terms of family members when you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and you read verse 1 and 2, where Paul instructed Timothy to, incur, to, to not rebuke an older man, but to encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. You see, whether we're talking about our relationship with God or our relationship with each other, the Bible defines it in terms of family. I'm to treat you as a fellow believer, either as a father, a brother, a mother, or a sister. And depending on my real age in relation to you, you're to do the same. You see, in 2024, we don't want to just emphasize the family. We want to emphasize the church because the church is the household of God. The church is a spiritual family. And for some people, it might be the only true family they'll ever experience. The church is the collection of God's family whose objective is to obey their loving and merciful father. And to be a family for those who have no other family. And in 2024, we want that to be an emphasis as well. But there is one final way we do want to uh, uh, note that the word home gets used in the New Testament. It's not just used in the context of family and in the context of the church, but it's also used in reference to heaven. Do you remember what Jesus told the disciples shortly after he instituted the Lord's Supper? In, in John chapter 14, the first three verses. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Jesus was alluding to his return to heaven after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And he refers to heaven as a place he's preparing for his disciples, as well as a place to which he would eventually, re richly, eventually return from in order to take them to. But did you notice the terminology he used in reference to heaven? My father's house. Heaven is referred to in the home metaphor as well. In fact, if you go over to the book of 2 Corinthians and you look at chapter 5 and scan the first eight verses or so, this metaphor is unmistakable. Paul draws a comparison between our earthly home, which is a reference to our mortal bodies, and our eternal home, which is a reference to heaven. 
And he says in verses 6 through 8, while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. But in verse 8, he says, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. The presence of the Lord, the abode of the Lord, wherever God is, is identified as a home as well. And so our eternal home is heaven. And that needs to be an emphasis of our congregation in 2024 as well. Because isn't that where all of us are trying to go? Isn't that the eternal destination we all seek? See, heaven is identified as our ultimate home. It's the home that the heroes of faith sought and desired, according to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. It's the home for which we groan and long, according to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it's the home that Jesus will come again and take us to, according to John chapter 14 and verse 3. It's the eternal home. It's the ultimate home. And in 2024, we want to be a people who are about that home. And so as you look at all these references to home, whether it be family or the church or heaven, what we have are three different fronts on which we want to emphasize home. And we've tried to convey that in the imagery you see on the screen. In this home logo, you'll notice the O is very symbolic with many shapes involved. And those are there to help communicate to you and to to me this idea that home represents three different things. Sort of inside the giant circle, you'll see a structure that represents a house. A roofed structure is there to remind us that when we emphasize home, we want to emphasize the family because the Bible speaks of the family in terms of home. Outside of that house, you see the circle. That's intended to represent the church because the circle represents wholeness. And the church is to be the whole representation of God's people. And so that circle that makes up the O is there to remind us that the church is to be a spiritual home. But then you'll notice the arrow pointing above the circle. That is there to remind us that heaven That heaven is spoken of in terms of home as well. And we need to emphasize that eternal home for which we are all striving. But you may have noticed that at the center of this logo, there is a cross. That's there to remind us of the importance of foundations. Do you remember the parable of the builders in Matthew chapter 7? Verse 24 through 27, which we just read a moment ago as our scripture reading, but I I want us to return to it again. Read it again. This parable told at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount goes like this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, I want you to notice the similarities between the two builders. These builders shared the same objective. Both builders were engaged in the same activity. Both builders had the same goal in mind. Both builders were trying to construct a house. They had the same objective. There's no difference between what these two builders were trying to achieve. They were both building a home. Another similarity between these builders is that they shared the same location. Now, the text does not specifically say that, but it does imply it, doesn't it? Because it depicts this storm affecting both houses at the same time. Since both men were subject to the same storm at the same time, we're left to infer that they were in reasonable proximity to one another, as one preacher pointed out. So they shared the same location. And finally, one last thing they shared, the same experience. Now, what I mean is that they both endured a storm. Now, they didn't endure different storms. They endured the same storm. The foolish builder's storm wasn't different from the wise builder's storm. Rain fell on both homes. Floods rose against both homes. Winds beat against both both homes. They faced the exact same storm. But there is one major difference between the two builders. The difference between these two guys is that they used different foundations. The whole parable centers around their selection of a foundation. We're told that the wise man built his house on a rock foundation, while the foolish man built his house on a sand foundation. Luke's account actually goes a little further into detail in regards to this this parable. It's recorded over in chapter 6, and in verse 48 of that chapter, we're told that the wise builder dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. In other words, the wise builder didn't relocate to find a, a useful foundation. He stayed where he was. He just chose to do the hard work of finding the bedrock on which he could construct successfully. Meanwhile, the foolish man just settled for building on the surface. And their identification as wise and foolish is linked to their decision about their foundation. The wise builder was not wise because he had received greater training in construction. The foolish builder was not foolish because he skipped Foundation 101 at the local uh, community college. They are wise and foolish because of what they chose, not because of what they knew. And the point of this parable is that foundations matter. Foundations matter when it comes to a home. And it doesn't matter which of the three homes we're talking about. The foundation matters in all three. So what is the foundation on which the home must be constructed? Most of you already know the answer. But it has to be said. 
And nowhere is it better stated than in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 where Paul wrote these words, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now he's speaking of the gospel. He's speaking of salvation. But isn't it applicable to every home we've talked about thus far? And this isn't the only place in Scripture where this emphasis on Jesus is placed. While, while this may be the only verse that uses the word foundation and, and Jesus in the same sentence, there are others that identify him as a cornerstone. Like Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were questioned by the Sanhedrin as to how they were able to heal the layman, Peter said it was by the name of Jesus Christ, then went on to say this in verse 11 and 12, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And in Ephesians chapter 2, in one of those passages where the household of God terminology was used, Paul went on to explain that this house was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined, being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We don't use that cornerstone terminology much anymore. Maybe that would be a good church word for the series we're engaged in. But, real, but the reality is a cornerstone was an integral part of construction in that day and age. The cornerstone itself was a piece of the foundation that rested on a corner, as you would assume. But it was the most important part of the building because, as one author noted, it completed the foundation and set the standard and direction of the rest of the structure. In other words, the cornerstone was the most important part of the construction process. Modern architecture and construction techniques are advanced enough to not need the cornerstone so much anymore. But in those days, the cornerstone carried the same importance as the entire foundation does today. So what the Bible is trying to tell us is that Jesus is the foundation or the cornerstone on which all homes must be built because as Solomon declared in Psalm chapter 127 and verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. The point is that whether we're talking about home in the context of the nuclear family or home in the context of the church family or home in the context of heaven, Christ must be the foundation. But the problem is that all too often, Christ gets pushed out of the home altogether. In Revelation chapter 3, we actually read about a church that had pushed Jesus out. It's the church in Laodicea, and they receive one of the harshest critiques that Jesus gave any congregation. He called on them to be zealous and repent. And then in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 3, Jesus told that church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus was on the outside of the church trying to get back in. If that can happen on the congregational level, it certainly can happen on the individual level. So let me ask you this morning. Is Jesus still inside your home? Is Jesus still the foundation on which your life and your family and this congregation is being constructed? Because the truth is, if Jesus is not in our home, and if Jesus is not in his church, then we're not going to make it home. Because he's the foundation. He's the centerpiece. So where is he in your life right now? Is your life built upon the only rock that will stand? Is your home constructed on the capstone? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves every day. And the truth is, this morning as we talk about home, the truth is that every one of us could improve on at least one of these three fronts that we've talked about. Maybe you have room to improve when it comes to your family. Maybe your, your marriage is struggling, or at least it could be better. And that's a specific area of your family that you need to work on in this coming year. Or maybe, maybe as a parent, you realize that you haven't made the Lord a priority in your home like you should. And you know that that has to change. So that you, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, And go to their eternal home one day. Or maybe your home is filled with a lot of stress and anxiety due to circumstances beyond your control. And you need to improve in the area of casting all your anxieties on the Lord. I'm certain that each and every one of us can find a way that our home can be better in 2024. But I also think that most of us could find ways to improve when it comes to the church home. Maybe your contribution to the work of God's kingdom via His church is lacking. Maybe you know that you're not contributing, you're not involving yourself in the work of the kingdom the way God expects you to. And that needs to improve in 2024. Maybe, maybe you're withholding something from the church 
Maybe you're withholding your talents and abilities. Maybe you're withholding your fellowship and intimacy. Maybe your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ is not reflective of the Bible's expectations for intimacy and unity and accountability. And that needs to change in 2024. Maybe there's even a specific relationship within the church that you need to repair this coming year. I'm certain all of us can find a way in which the church home can be emphasized more in our lives in 2024. But I think we can also find ways to improve when it comes to our eternal home. You see, I'm certain there's some here today who have never done what the Bible says you must do to receive eternal life. Maybe you've never confessed your belief that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God. Maybe you've never repented of your sins, and maybe you've never been immersed in water for the forgiveness of those sins. And right now, today, you can make that decision so that you can put on Christ, have your sins removed, and be on your way to your eternal home. Maybe you don't want to live in uncertainty anymore about your eternity. Maybe you've previously made the decision to put on Christ. To become a child of God. But there's some baggage. Some habits. Some sins that you just keep clinging to. And those things have the potential to disqualify you from that eternal reward that will be given one day. Maybe there's something in your life that's going to prevent you from hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, when it's your time to stand before the Lord. And you don't want to live with uncertainty about your eternity any longer. That's what this home theme is really all about. And right now, we extend an invitation that no matter what home needs improvement in your life right this moment, you can turn it over to the Lord. I want to share with you one last verse before we close. It comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 23. Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Right now we extend the invitation for you to invite the Lord to make his home with you. If you need to respond to that invitation, won't you come while together we stand and sing. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, 